Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Haro, and you are keeping score. This week, the top items to look for in 2020. Let's go five to one. Number five, Group 1001 brings another women's leadership and STEM-centric event to the LPGA Tour. Versant Health will hold a summit with top female leaders as part of the February, January 20 to 26 Boca Rio Golf Club Tournament. It's bookended of sorts to the Group 1001-sponsored Indie Women in Tech LPGA Tournament held in Indy late summer, which featured multiple educational and networking events for women looking to re-engage or advance careers in STEM and business leadership fields. The big issue is the empowerment of women key to the sports business in 2020. Number four, Olympic ad sales on pace to shatter their previous $1.2 billion record. Ad Age and NBC Sports announced it secured a billion in American ad sales for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. The Olympic torch is lit in the summer, but the high watermark in ad sales eclipsed before that. Additionally, Japan Airlines giving away 50,000 round-trip tickets ahead of the Tokyo Olympics to encourage international visitors to come out and watch the games. That's a top story, number four. Number three is the diversity of sports for Tokyo 2020. The first of six sports to debut is karate, fittingly making its Olympic debut in Tokyo, joining judo, taekwondo, and wrestling. Karate consists of two disciplines for both men and women, kata and kumite, skateboarding and surfing, also joining the Olympic fray, park and street skateboarding and shortboard surfing. The other three new sports include sport climbing, consisting of three disciplines, speed climbing, bouldering and lead climbing, and baseball and softball make a return to the Olympics after having not been played during the last two summer games. All of these sports get a global popularity boost thanks to the influence and amazement of the Olympics. That's number three. Number two, the Raiders, Chargers, and Rams will see new homes with the opening of Allegiant Stadium in Vegas and SoFi Stadium in L.A. The Raiders' new stadium comes with a change of scenery as the longtime Oakland franchise moving out to Las Vegas into the reported $2 billion stadium that aesthetically plays tribute to the Black Hole, a name assigned to a group of fans in the most intense section of the team's previous home. Meanwhile, the Chargers and Rams will share new digs in L.A., where construction estimated to cost $10 billion, including work on the surrounding 298-acre former Hollywood Park footprint. SoFi Stadium will be a beefy 70,000-person venue, and by taking a more-than-football approach in L.A., the stadium may find itself being filled by fans who prioritize being seen at the city's new hotspot over on-field action. SoFi will open in July with an added boost from two new Taylor Swift shows, which will hopefully drive L.A. consumers to the first new football stadium built in the city, nearly 100 years. And finally, number one, the XFL on its way to be a serious competitor for professional football. After an unsuccessful XFL launch in 2001, WWE chairman Vince McMahon making his second attempt to build a successful professional football league that launched on February 8th 
According to Bleacher Report, this time around, a slow and steady buildup led to the creation of eight teams across the U.S. And unlike the NFL, a focus will be put on a quicker-paced game, as well as incorporating betting into the normal football action. XFL CEO Oliver Luck noted the league will not market itself using big names, but instead plans to place the uh, deal for a springboard to names into the NFL, almost a stage upon which to showcase talent in the more established football league. More than 40 million people who crave more football after the Super Bowl, and if the XFL can find a younger age demographic than the ill-fated AAF, they will find success as their price point of roughly 30 to 40 bucks for a pro football game, highly competitive, especially for the younger, less affluent consumer. That's number one. Happy New Year, everybody. Look forward to 2020. One of the big issues is hockey and the Winter Classic. The NHL, growing very significantly, have to be included on any list. That's why we have Don Waddell, who is the president of the Carolina Hurricanes, been with them since July of 2014. He played hockey at Northern Michigan. One of the final cuts for the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team, he broke his leg in a pre-tournament game. He'll tell that story. Drafted in 78, played one game for the Kings, one game for the Rangers, but a minor league hockey guy from 75 to 88, GM of the Flint Spirits, then went to the Red Wings as an assistant GM, Stanley Cup winning season, first GM of the Atlanta Thrashers, now the Carolina Hurricanes, hockey in the Sun Belt, hockey internationally, hockey around the Winter Classic. Here's Don Waddell. So I was all excited. I looked at Herb Brooks. I looked at the 80 Olympic team. I was ready to ask you for your gold medal. What happened? <laughs> well, a couple of things happened. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to lead up to two years prior going to the sports festivals and then joining the team in uh, 79, 80. And then at, in Lake Placid, I uh, broke my leg. Uh, I broke my leg the first time at the sports festival and then came back with the team and got hurt again. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, things happen for a reason. Uh, they moved Dave Christensen back from being a forward to a defenseman and it probably was a big reason why they won the gold medal. So uh, it was a lot of fun to be with that team. A lot of still good friends. Proud that I could say at least I was a part of it. And you reminded Every moment by some idiot that keeps asking you that question, right? Yeah, That's, no, it's good. It's, you know, I, I was in the book, in the movie, you know, I got everything but the gold medal, so uh, yeah, almost. It's, it's all worked out well. Your diversity and experience, and, and this is a topper, so you buy into a, or you become part of a management of Toledo franchise, It's full, it folds, then you buy another kind of franchise. What franchise is that? Well, I, I've been all over, so we went from... Uh, we went from Toledo to Flint, Michigan. Ah, uh, but before that, didn't you have a... Oh, uh, a yeah, 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 that's where you're going with that's that. That's where I'm going with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my, uh, at the end of my playing career there, I decided to get into private business. Yeah? And it was happy, it was happy to be the portable toilet business. Ladies and gentlemen, how about that, huh? And uh, a lot of people don't know that story, and uh, I could give you all the slogans, probably not really good for TV. No. Uh, but uh, we had a lot of fun with it, and uh, kept it for about four years, even as I went into more management. I actually got my life going from a financial standpoint. Well, this whole region is really exciting as a basketball region, but you're making it a hockey region. 
Talk a little bit about, you know, what you've done in a very short period of time to make these people love hockey. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, when Tom Dunn bought the team two years ago, uh, you know, we'd gone nine straight years without making the playoffs, and teams started to go into the slump, and then we had the work stoppage uh, after that. You know, hockey wasn't important to anybody anymore. You know, as you said, we lived in this triangle area. We were huge basketball with UNC, Duke, and NC State. Yeah. So uh, a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar, and, you know, we had to reach back out and reconnect with our fans. We were part of the community before, but we had lost touch with the community. Everybody knew who the Hurricanes were, but nobody cared about the Hurricanes. And so so we really made a conscious effort to really go back out in the community uh, with our players, with a lot of things we do through our foundation. You have to try to build a product that people are proud to come to, but are also feel that this is their team. And, you know, being here 20 years now, you know, we're starting to get the first baby booners now that are coming out and uh, citizens in our community that grew up with it because, you know, not very many people here grew up with hockey. Yeah. You know, people move from other places, a lot of loyalties to other cities. Uh, but now we got that wave of uh, that new new age where they're uh, becoming, were fans of ours as kids and they continue to be fans. Philanthropic aspects of giving back in this region how important is that to you? Oh, it's huge. You know, it's a way for us to give back to the community. You know, they, they support us. Uh, and there's so many ways that we can do that. Using our players, obviously. Uh, players draw attention and, and raise a lot of funds. You know, every year we've given over a half a million dollars in cash alone just in uh, through our foundation, not counting what the team does. And then, you know, over a million dollars in, in, in kind through tickets. You know, we give a lot of things to a lot of charities that we can't directly support, but they can go out and raise money to help support their charity. So, you know, we've been recognized as one of the top uh, givers in the community, and we're very proud of that. What kind of message do you give to your players? Is it you involve high-character players, you know they're going to do the right thing. You send a signal that it's a very important part of what management asks for players to get involved in the community, a little bit of both. How, how do you how do you inspire player participation? Yeah, cer certainly you need your leaders to be uh, people that are willing to do this. And I don't have one guy in that locker room that I couldn't go ask, hey, can you go do this for me today at a school or a hospital? Uh, we, we got good players. We're very fortunate in that. And I also remind the players that every person that comes in here and spends a dollar, they're getting 50 cents of it. So uh, the more people we wow, have, yeah, you know, through yeah. the economics of the CBA. So, you know, more people we draw, it's better for financially for everybody and but our players do it. We got good, kind-hearted players that enjoy being out in the community, and it's really uh, worked well for us. You're a big moments guy. Uh, you're playing, coaching, managing, uh, running a franchise. What, what, what's kind of the big, biggest power of sports moment you look back that had an influence on your life? Well, I think it all started back in college. I went to a, a school that was first-year Division One hockey, and we were all freshmen. Uh, at Northern Michigan University. Year, my senior year, we went to the NCAA Finals and lost in the Finals to build that program. And I think that led me to believe you can accomplish whatever you want you set out to be. And then I was very fortunate to win a championship in the minors, uh, my first year pro. And again, once you have a taste of winning, there's nothing like it. So you're always driving yourself uh, to be the best you can and try to win whatever you're competing for. Don, thank you very, thank you very, very much. much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's end with our Sports Tech Minute, and why not? Esports looks to build on a successful 2019 with more tournaments, teams, and leagues. Esport Insider says Intel has announced the Intel World Open, July 22 to 24 esport tournament, taking place in the lead-up to the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games in Japan. Tournament features Japan-based Street Fighter 
five in Rocket League, a prize pool of a half million dollars. The tournament's timing, held just day before the games commence, will ensure excellent worldwide exposure. The audience for esports, by the way, is on pace to nearly double over a six-year period. The 2017 audience, 335 million. 2023, 646 million fans. Expect more esports advertisements and major new investments in the industry next year. And that's your Sports Tech Minute. Finally, Sports Philanthropy Minute. And what's better than looking at women in philanthropy giving back to women in sports? Axios says women are taking the lead on donating to women's collegiate sports teams. Former female athletes are donating millions of dollars to build facilities, endow scholarships, and support coaching positions at their alma maters. The New York Times reported that participation in women's college sports teams all-time high, outnumbering men's sports for more than 20 years now. And yet, marketing and sponsorship opportunities and support from benefactors for female collegiate teams has caught on slower than men's sports. Turnouts for national women's sports grew an average of about 40% since 2013, according to a study by sports marketing agency Two Circles. Now, 51% of personal wealth in the U.S. comes from women, based on data from 2015, and is expected to keep growing. So assume that more female benefactors will be there to push for more coverage and more opportunities for gender equality in sports. Well, that's our show for this week. We'd like to thank you for listening and watching. Join us during the new year. We'll see if some of our predictions for 2020 come true. And may some may not. But all are important in this $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm Rick Harrow, and you're keeping score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Waddick, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Rick Harrow. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.